Welcome to the Tap Into Safety podcast, where Dr. Suzanne Barn, CEO and co-founder, discusses the latest research, reports and interesting topics to help health and safety, human resource and training professionals in their efforts to keep every worker safe every day. Hi everyone, and thanks for joining me. For this podcast, I'm going to provide a step-by-step guide on how to perform an effective risk assessment in your organisation to keep your employees physically and psychologically safe. The discussion will also include how to develop hazard control measures and how to ensure that they're effective, and I'll provide some suggestions on how to successfully implement them. The purpose of a risk assessment is to meet your work health and safety obligations to eliminate risks where you can or to control them when you can't. Now Safe Work Australia notes that eliminating and controlling risks in the workplace helps you to prevent and reduce the number and severity of workplace injuries, illnesses and associated costs. It also helps you to promote and improve worker health, well-being and capacity to work and finally to foster innovation and improve the quality and productivity of work. Now, a competent person or team who have a good working knowledge of your workplace should do your risk assessment. Supervisors and employees who work with the processes under review are likely to be the most familiar with day-to-day operations and you should include them on the team or work with them to source information. When you're looking at developing your hazard control measures, you should start with the codes of practice and guidance material, information from manufacturers and suppliers of plant, substances and equipment that you use, and reference materials from industry associations and unions. The first step to developing a risk assessment is to identify any hazards associated with the process under review. A good place to start is to do a visual inspection of your workplace while thinking about what may cause harm and then create a list of tasks and hazards that need assessing. Now when you do this, you should consider how people work, how they use plant and equipment, the chemicals and substances you use, any safe or unsafe work practices, and the general state of your work areas. Now, taking a look at the ISO 31000-2018 standard, when you're identifying hazards, you should examine a wide variety of factors, including tangible and intangible sources of risk, threats and opportunities, causes and events, consequences and their impact on your objectives, Look at the limitations of knowledge and the reliability of the information. What are your vulnerabilities and capabilities? Have there been any changes in the external and internal context? Do you have any indicators of emerging risks? Have a look at time-related factors and then make sure you take into account your biases, assumptions and beliefs. It's crucial that you also keep in mind the specific needs of vulnerable employees, contractors, visitors and members of the public. Young workers, migrant workers and employees where English is not their first language. 
Expectant mothers and people with a disability are all vulnerable. You should review all available health and safety information about the hazards you identify, such as your safety data sheets, manufacturer's literature, information from reputable organisations, results of testing and workplace inspection reports. Finally, make sure you understand the minimum legislative requirements for your industry. The next step is to assess the risk. For each hazard that you identify, think about how they may harm your employees, contractors, visitors or members of the public. Keep in mind the changing work environment when non-routine tasks occur, for example, for maintenance, cleaning or changes in production cycles. It's also helpful to look at your past incident and health data to identify emerging and hidden hazards. Assessing the level of risk and creating a risk assessment is based on the severity and likelihood of harm. You need to determine who might be harmed and how, what you have in place to control the risks, what further actions you may need to take to control the risks, who needs to carry out those actions, and when the action is required. From here, you need to analyse the risks that you've identified to prioritise actions based on your existing controls. You need to take into account any uncertainties, hazards, consequences, likelihood, events, scenarios, controls and their effectiveness. Remember, an event can have multiple causes and consequences and can affect various objectives and areas of your business. There are tools such as risk assessment matrices and heat maps that you can use to compare hazards to determine the highest level of risks so you can prioritise what to tackle first. It's important to keep in mind that a risk assessment must take into account not only the current state of the workplace, but any potential situations as well. Now, I think this would be a good time to discuss the importance of hazard control measures because they're a critical tool to prevent workplace accidents and injuries. And they should form part of your organisation's health and safety plan to ensure a method to identify hazards to control them as far as practicable to reduce the risks present in your workplace. Critically, Developing hazard control measures provide several benefits for your business, including that they identify employees who undertake high-risk activities. You need awareness of who is most at risk and how and when they are at risk of exposure, and that encourages processes to mitigate or eliminate them. You should note hazards where you can't eliminate risks, because that encourages you to reduce and minimise exposure and train on what to look out for to address them. You will have continual assessment of the risks that hazard pose and this allows you to determine whether the control methods you apply are effective in reducing or eliminating the risks and where they fall short, well it's time to reevaluate. Hazard control measures and risk assessments will reduce or eliminate the number of accidents or injuries in your workplace. And finally, you have work health and safety legal obligations that require you to identify risks and implement hazard control measures. Failure to do so 
can result in severe corporate and personal fines in addition to incarceration, depending on the severity, prior knowledge and casualties due to a workplace fatality or serious injury. So now let's look at what you need to consider when you're developing your hazard control measures. Firstly, you should assess the likelihood of the risk associated with each hazard to cause injury or illness. Second, investigate the degree of harm that would result if you expose employees to the hazard. Next, consult with your employees to determine what they know about the hazard and ways to eliminate or reduce the risk. Select one or more controls that provide the highest level of protection for people and that are the most reliable. Use the hierarchy of controls to guide you. Try to only choose administrative controls and PPE as a last resort, especially when the hazard has the potential to cause death, serious injury or illness. The control that you want to use must be readily available, be made to suit or be put in place. Controls must be suitable for your work conditions, work processes and your employees. You must take into account the cost of controlling risks to determine what is reasonably practicable. And finally, check to see that the hazard control measures do not introduce any new hazards. If they do, then you need to manage these as well using the steps that I have just outlined. Also, one thing to note is that PPE is often used with other higher level controls to provide additional protection. The next question to ask yourself is how do you ensure that your hazard control measures are effective and remain effective? Assessing the level of effectiveness is an ongoing process. You need to ensure that the hazard control measures remain relevant and that they provide protection for employees and visitors. After all, things change in work environments. You might have new plant and machinery, new processes, weather variations, new employees, and so on and so forth. There are five simple steps that you can take to continually improve to ensure that the hazard control measures you choose remain the best that you can use. The first step is to determine who has accountability for health and safety plans, procedures and documentation. Now it's generally your managers and supervisors, but their accountability may vary across different procedures. You must ensure that you give them the authority and resources to implement and maintain hazard control measures effectively. In addition, you should monitor their reports and recommendations to improve. You should also look at the level of experience of your employees because this will determine the amount and type of supervision that you need. Generally, higher levels of supervision are necessary when you have new or inexperienced employees or when you introduce a new procedure or carry out difficult and critical tasks. Step two is to conduct regular maintenance of plant and equipment. The hazard control measures that you use for plant and equipment need regular monitoring and maintenance to ensure that they remain effective. And you need to decide what you require when you implement each control. This will include inspecting and testing, repairing or replacing all damaged or worn plant and equipment. 
Now it's useful to establish a schedule for routine checks and maintenance appropriate to the controls. Also, many organisations establish a risk register when identifying hazards that details what action you need to take, who will be responsible for taking the action and by when. You need to check that the hazard control measures remain suitable for the nature and the duration of the work, and always ensure that they're set up and employers are using them correctly. The third step is to ensure that your training is up to date and that your employees remain competent. Now there's no doubt about it, training is critical. Your employees need to know what constitutes a workplace hazard, how to recognise one and how best to control the risks. They need to know their responsibilities when working on high-risk activities so they can keep themselves and others safe. And critically, training must cover the nature of the work, the associated risks and the hazard control measures they should use. In short, your employees must be competent to do their job safely. They need to be able to demonstrate that they are competent in performing their tasks according to the procedures. Now as a business and as an employer, you need evidence of their continuing competence. You can't just give an employee a procedure and ask them to acknowledge that they understand and are able to perform their tasks. You have to provide ongoing training in hazard control measures. Your fourth step is to maintain up-to-date information on the hazards in your workplace because things change. For example, manufacturers and suppliers may update the information about the hazards associated with plant and substances. You need to check any changes or updates to make sure the hazard control measures are still relevant. Also, if maintenance processes reveal new hazards or show that you are not addressing existing hazards, you need to review your hazard control measures. When legislation changes or there's new information that becomes available, you must audit the control measures to ensure that they remain the most effective. And finally, when you introduce new machinery and equipment, you should check that your processes and hazard control measures remain relevant. In step five, you need to review the controls you've put in place to make sure that they're working. When you conduct a regular review of work procedures in consultation with your employees, hazard control measures are likely to be more effective. The Safe Work Australia Model Code of Practice on how to manage work health and safety risks provides guidelines on how to review your hazard control measures. It recommends that you ask yourself and your employees the following questions. Are the hazard control measures working effectively in both their design and operation? Are the control measures creating new problems? Are you missing any hazards? Are any new work methods, new equipment or chemicals making the job safer? Are all your employees following the safety procedures? And do they need more instruction and training on how to work safely? Are your employees actively identifying hazards and possible hazard control measures? And are they openly raising health and safety concerns and reporting problems promptly? And finally, are the frequency and severity of health and safety incidents reducing? It's also critical to note any incidents or near misses because they may highlight gaps in your control measures 
and you might need additional controls or to change the way you carry out those tasks. Also, after an incident, you may find that what you thought wasn't a high-level hazard quickly gains an increased risk rating. Finally, you need to communicate the risks that you identify to everyone. They need to have a comprehensive understanding of the existing risks and how to prevent or mitigate them to achieve your organisational safety objectives. To summarise, it's critical that you undertake a risk assessment across your work areas to ensure that you are effectively controlling physical and psychological hazards. The purpose is to keep your employees, contractors, visitors and the members of the public safe. A risk assessment includes six steps. Identifying hazards, assessing the risk, analysing the risk to prioritise what to tackle first, controlling the risk, reviewing the controls to ensure that they remain effective, and finally communicating the risks to everyone. I hope that this podcast has been useful and that you now understand how to perform a risk assessment and you have some in-depth knowledge on how to successfully select your control measures. Until next time, thanks for listening. You have been listening to Dr. Suzanne Barn, CEO and co-founder of Tap Into Safety. If you would like to read more about this topic and other related topics, or to contact them for more information, please visit their website at www.tapintosafety.com.au. If you'd like to hear more of these podcasts, search for Tap Into Safety on iTunes or your favourite podcast provider. Until the next time, we hope you keep safe and well.